Hearing Kate and Josh talk about sunscreen tells me we are a church of great faith. Amen? Great faith, yeah. We are definitely praying for some great weather seven days from right now, so you can join us in that as we think about the outdoor service next week. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Good to see everyone this morning, whether you're with us here in the room or you're with us online. It's great to be together. Um, when we think about moms, moms teach us a lot, don't they? Or at least they, they, they can. I, I know that was true for me. My mom uh, was a tremendous teacher to me uh, of patience and perseverance and definitely of kindness. And so today, as we begin to talk about Jesus as teacher, and here we are on Mother's Day reflecting on and celebrating moms, I want to start by showing a, a video here that focuses on all that we can learn from our moms uh, in, from a, the perspective of three generations of mothers, grandmothers, and daughters, all uh, in one Outlook family. So enjoy this video and take a look. Thank you for being with us today. We're excited to sit down with these women, um, all from one family, to celebrate Mother's Day. So why don't you introduce who's with us? Yes, this is my oldest daughter, Wendy, and over here we have Anna, my second daughter, and then we have my oldest grandchild, which is Mackie, and my first grandchild, which is Addison. Awesome. So these are the girls of your family, and this is Betsy, the grandmother, right? Uh, and so there aren't a lot of other girls in your family, though, right? That's pretty much it. So Addison, tell me, why are there so many uh, boys in your family compared? What did Grandma always pray for? Um, she always prayed for a boy, and then that's all we got. <laughs> <laughs> we have Mackie, and you said Mackie is your oldest granddaughter and she's with Anna, but Addison is your first granddaughter, the daughter of Wendy. So, Anna, explain to me that. Sure, so when I married my husband, he had two, two kids, and so when we got married, we instantly became a family of four. So I have always said from day one that I have uh, two kids, um, and then we added our other two boys to the family. So I, um, so Matthew's pretty much our only girl besides Addison and, the, and our family. So we, we treasure those, those times that we get to have as uh, just us girls. That's Absolutely, and amen. <laughs> That's awesome. I know all of the grandkids' favorite things is spending the night at Grammy's house. We always sit down in the morning, do devos, and have tea, and we have toast with butter and cinnamon and sugar as our crumpets. And it's something I always look forward to. Good. <laughs> I enjoy that time, too. <laughs> what have you learned from your mom or your grandma? Well, I learned from my mom that my relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship in my life. And second to that, that my relationship with my husband is priority. Um, Grammy has taught me a lot that Jesus comes first and that no matter what, the highs and the lows, that God will always be there. And so will family. What do you hope that your daughters or granddaughters learn from you? Like what's your, if you could, you know, I really want them to learn this, or I hope that the way I live teaches them this. I hope that the, the kids realize that this faith that we have is something that's been passed down through generations. And my grandkids, I pray for them all the time that they will follow Christ and that it will keep following the way that God intended it to be. 
think in watching the girls' relationship, talking about Mackenzie and Addison, like they know how to have a good time, and mm -hmm. I'm kind of serious and uptight and want everything to be a certain way, and and we have a plan, so we need to stick to it. And I think that their spontaneity has like taught me that I need to like let some of that go because all the details aren't always important. So I hope I'm still learning that. So I just think for me, it's the importance of knowing that we, no matter where our life is, that we will always be there for each other. And I hope um, that our kids will one day come back and they don't ever have to feel they were disappointed us or, um, you know, that they just need to stop by and vent or have some ice cream, that we will always have that um, available at our house, you know, whether they're 16 or whether they're 45. And I do hope that the things that I did wrong, that my girls know those things and are working on them themselves. <laughs> because no one's perfect. That's really wonderful. Many thanks to that precious family. Uh, we love them so much for sharing that with us. Um, you know, as Paula said earlier and helped us pray through, Mother's Day can bring a lot of emotions, all kinds of different layers and levels to Mother's Day, but it is good to think about all our moms can teach us one way or another. And what we want to do spending the rest of our time together is think about what Jesus can teach us and the fact that Jesus is our teacher. We've been spending these last few weeks looking at the different aspects of who Jesus is. On Easter, we celebrated that Jesus is alive, and then we began to talk about how Jesus is God and what that really means. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Lord. Last week, we talked about Jesus is our healer, and today we're going to look at Jesus as our teacher. Because here at Outlook, we are all aiming to develop as disciples of Jesus. That's really our mission here. And the clearest translation of the word, the original word, disciple, from the Bible, is our word, student. And so disciples are students. Disciples are lifelong learners of Jesus. And we want to just take a moment to talk about what a great thing being a student of Jesus really is. When Jesus was on earth, the title that people used most often to refer to him or to address him was rabbi or teacher. And so we know, we know he is so much more than that. This world would want to reduce Jesus to just being, ah, oh, he's a great moral teacher. And there's a reason we haven't begun talking about Jesus as teacher until now, because we need to firmly establish that he's God, that he's Lord, and that he's Savior. But on that foundation, it is perfectly wise for us to now start to also remember he is our teacher. And indeed, he is the most brilliant teacher who's ever lived. That's who we get to learn from. So that's pretty cool. And that tells us we're not only receivers then of his love and grace, we are seekers of his wisdom and truth. Now, in the Gospels, when we read about Jesus and his teaching and how he interacted with the crowds, one of the things we repeatedly see described is that Jesus taught with authority. 
Jesus taught with authority. Here's one of the places that says that. In Mark chapter 1, it says, and we have, we're having a little technical difficulty today, so I don't have a monitor here. The verses aren't on the screen, so if you want to take a few extra notes or, or, or keep that Bible app up, uh, up and, and hot and fresh to keep moving from Scripture to Scripture, that's fine too. But we're going to still move through a few different Scriptures this morning. And the first one is this description in Mark chapter 1. The people were amazed, it says, at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. And so here we see that there's a contrast. Teachers were in wide supply. There were no shortage of religious teachers in this day. But Jesus is set apart. Jesus is different than the norm. And as I began to study this, I, I, what I learned was that the typical rabbi of Jesus' day would spend a lot of time going back into history, then quoting other rabbis and their schools of thought as they were presenting their teaching in synagogue. What ended up happening over time was that the rabbis were removed from the reality of the subject that they would teach, right? They spent nearly all of their time studying and debating these fine points of Jewish law, and they were not with the people, and they were certainly, it did not feel like, were experiencing the same lives as their listeners. And so they became detached, essentially, from what they were sharing and they thus lost some authority, some credibility. Jesus, however, seemed to be oozing with this authority and credibility. Dusty from all his travels, going from village to village, with the people, very literally down to earth, like we talked about last week, having no trouble going to dinner parties with what religious leaders wanted to categorize as just tax collectors, prostitutes, and sinners. Keeping themselves distant, from real, normal, live people. Jesus wouldn't do it. And thus, his teaching had authority. People couldn't help but hear what they had to say, what he had to say. In Luke chapter 4, he puts it like this. Luke does. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. And we see this repeatedly. His words, the very words that came out of his mouth, had weight and authority. You couldn't ignore them. They needed to be heard and heeded, and his teaching was amazing. They were amazed, again, at his teaching. And so this is our goal as a church. This is our goal as a, a community of believers, right? That we are people who have made him Lord. That means we've given him authority. We talked about that a few weeks, a couple weeks ago when we talked about Jesus as Lord. We've, we've simply reached the conclusion, he knows better than I do. So I'm going to make him the Lord, the director, the, the, the master of my life. I'm going to follow what he, who he is and what he has to say. He's in charge. And so when that happens, because we've discovered his words have authority, we will be amazed at his teaching. We will find his teaching amazing. It will come naturally to us then to begin to accept him as teacher. He's Lord. I've given him authority. I find that his words... His teaching is amazing. So I'm going to pay attention to that, and we will stand ready to learn. And that's our word then for this morning as we jump in. If Jesus is God and Savior and Lord, he's also teacher. And so we're going to live accordingly based on that fact. And so three things we'll look at 
today. First, because Jesus is teacher, we allow ourselves to be taught. Seems kind of self-evident when we think about it, but it's an important place to start. We allow ourselves to be taught because learning from Jesus, I have found at least in my own life, mostly means being teachable. Just allowing myself to be open to learning something new. He is willing and eminently qualified to instruct us. He stands ready to do so. I'm thinking now of his invitation um, in uh, Matthew chapter 11. You might know these words. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and what? Learn from me. Come to me, he says. Learn from me. Now he uses this word picture, I'll quickly describe it, of a yoke, an agricultural implement that you, you'd, like a beam of wood that would be placed across an animal's shoulders, like a mule or an ox that would pull a plow or a wagon, right? And it's then hitched to that wagon and, and then with, with that, the load can be carried. If you have two animals, then you might have a yoke that then puts them both together under one beam of wood. And this was a common word picture that rabbis would use uh, to talk about what it means to come under their teaching. And so Jesus is using this word picture to say, take my yoke upon you, make me your rabbi, come underneath this yoke and put it on, and you'll find that I'm under the yoke with you. It's my yoke, and we're in this together, and we will pull the load of life together. Just Come to me and learn from me. And that invitation, come to me, is ours to accept. Maybe you've never accepted it before. Maybe it's something you're curious about or you're checking out, or maybe mom just dragged you to church on Mother's Day. Who knows, right? But that invitation, come to me, is for all of us. And not just once, but maybe you answered it a long time ago, let me tell you, it's ours to answer every day. I will spend the rest of my life, God willing, learning from Jesus. I'll never know it all, right? There'll always be so much more to learn. And it's a delight to be his student. Every day, come to me, learn from me. But we must be teachable, right? And this lack of teachability was the primary handicap of those religious leaders who were constantly opposing Jesus and missing the point. They weren't teachable. They weren't open to what it is that he had to say and to give. And even our world today, though it admires knowledge and learning, there's no doubt about that, our world has largely rejected the value of spiritual insight and has refused to learn from Jesus. We are a world that believes we know better than Jesus, right? But think about this. We Christians, we are the people on the planet learning from Jesus. In fact, that's, a, that's one way, and I think a great way, to describe Christians and the church. It's certainly not the only way, but I think it's a great one. We are people who have simply discovered the deep wisdom, the richness and insight of Jesus' teaching. And we are the people spending our lives learning from him. And we get to do so. We consider it a joy to do so. And we've also discovered there's no shortcut in doing so. So let's talk about time and attention for starters, right? If we're going to put ourselves in a position to make ourselves available to learn from Jesus, it requires time 
and intention. I think immediately of that story that we like to refer to quite often because I think it's such a great illustration of our day-to-day lives. And that's those sisters, Mary and Martha, right? Jesus is at their house. Martha is distracted by all the things that have to be done. But where does Mary position herself? At the feet of Jesus so she can listen to his words, the Bible says. She purposely made a choice. She put herself in a position to hear, and to receive, to focus, and to be near. And really, that's a great description of our, job, of our jobs as, as Christians. To steadily and consistently simply put ourselves in a position, as you are doing right now, to learn what Jesus has to teach. And if we consistently choose to simply stay near him, we will inevitably learn from him. And the ways to do it are not, there's not some great guesswork here. Prayer is powerful beyond words. The chance that we have to stop whatever we're doing, either mentally or even out loud with our mouths, and say what we're thinking to God. To share our thoughts, to ask for his help, to express our gratitude. Prayer is a gift and that we can, at any moment, pause and, and invite God, recognize his presence in our day-to-day, that's going to be a beautiful thing. And then when you take prayer and you couple it with time near and in and being exposed to the scriptures, then you've got a really powerful combination when it comes to, like Mary, positioning yourself in a place to simply let the words land on your ears or in your mind, Right? That's what she did. That's what we get to do. Get the scriptures into you however you can. If it's an audio book, fine. If it's sitting and reading, fine. If it's also the chance to hear another teach from the scriptures, also all good. But get those words into you, right? There's no replacement for that. We would understand that instinctively if we were at new, new employee orientation at work or we're getting ready to start a new course in school. We would understand at the beginning of the semester or the orientation, there's stuff I don't know. And when this is over, there's going to be some stuff that I now know. And in between, I'm going to realize that I need to know it, that it's going to be useful for me. And the same is true here. There is a body of knowledge called the gospel. There's a a set of teachings that came from our rabbi. They're right there. We get to spend some time with them. We'll begin to internalize them. And they will become part of who we are. That we will download them and begin to operate on them. Jesus says in in John 8, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And that makes a lot of sense, right? If disciple is student, then one of the things that it means to be a Jesus follower is to hang on to, to keep near us the teaching of our rabbi. And then when you add to prayer and to the scriptures, the church, you have a potent combination that will guarantee you, I'm telling you, it will guarantee that you'll begin to learn from Jesus. You just won't be able to, to help yourself. When the early church is described in Acts chapter 2, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And the first thing on that list was the teaching of the apostles, the recognition. There is, a, there is a wisdom and a knowledge here that I need and I want to know. And so I want to pay close attention and be devoted to 
that teaching. I think sometimes in our modern church, we, we neglect the, the importance of teaching, of, of doctrine, of, of the simple fact that there's some beautiful truth that we don't know it till we learn it. And once we learn it, we really benefit by it as followers of Jesus. And to devote ourselves to that is a beautiful thing. And so a huge part of learning from Jesus starts with making simple things like these. No mystery to it. They're, they're simple but profound, making them consistent components of our lives. Prayer, scriptures, church. So because Jesus is teacher, we allow ourselves to be taught. We put ourselves in a teachable position to receive. But we also, secondly, actively engage in our learning. And so we're taking time and attention and we're adding to it effort. Remember, the grace we receive from Jesus is opposed to earning, but not to effort. In fact, a great study would be if you just took your Bible app and, and in the search bar typed, make every effort, and begin to see the scriptures that come back, that we are consistently encouraged to actively engage in our own discipleship, in the, in the life that salvation brings, and that it does draw from us our best efforts. And that's certainly true when it comes to this idea of being a student of Jesus. What am I talking about here? I guess in the end, I'm talking about thinking. I'm talking about taking the time to learn and to study. Now, I'm not talking about academics. A lot of times when we get to this idea of learning and teacher and student, if you're not a, maybe you're someone who's like, I don't know, I'm not much of a reader. There are lots of folks who, uh, for whom that would be true, or, or I, I, I wasn't really big in, into school, or those days are over. I don't want to go back to feeling like I'm in school. And they, they, they think of what I'm saying here, and they immediately associate it with being academically strong or gifted, and you may very well be that. But that's really not even what I'm talking about. I'm really just talking about our thoughts. Because all of us think, don't elbow your neighbor and say, yeah, listen, you need to start thinking. We all think, and we think hard and seriously about the things that are important to us. That's true for everyone. And so all we're really talking about here is beginning to realize just how important and worthwhile the teachings of Jesus are to apply our thoughts and our effortful thinking to. Maybe an illustration would help. Really, this is, this is uh, something we've all done. Maybe you get... Uh, 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 the instructions for some kind of project. I know for me, in the last few years, I've built more pieces of IKEA furniture than I could probably begin to count. I've lost track. And we, in, in, in one case, we keep buying more books. So uh, we just bought some more IKEA bookshelves, and I was putting one together the other day. Had the book open, but I was only casually looking at it because I'd done this so many times, right? So I'm thinking I'm fine until I get to a point in which I have the thing mostly together and I just have a few shelves to now add. It's setting up, it's leveled, it's ready to go, and I realize, uh-oh, I've done something wrong. This piece down here and this piece up here were supposed to be different. So I had to undo about six or seven steps, pretty much disassemble it uh, down to uh, yeah, several steps back, then make the switch, then it all worked. Now what happened there? What happened was I thought I knew what I was doing, right? And I was wrong. I did not know what I was doing. I was not paying attention to the instructions. I was relying on my own knowledge, my own self, my own sense of capability, 
and I was wrong. How often do I do that? Maybe you do too, in our real day-to-day lives. Now, I know about myself, and I'm guessing it might be true for you too. I want to live my life well. I want it to be fruitful and effective and aligned and healthy. I want my relationships to thrive. I want to be someone who's not burdened by anxiety, but instead um, able to let those burdens go. There are all kinds of ways in which I would really prefer to thrive in my day-to-day living. But if I don't pay attention to the instructions, I'm going to get maybe even some very important things completely switched and upside down. The scriptures, teaching of Jesus, are there for us to avoid that. Amen? Now, there are a lot of scriptures I could refer to here, but I'm just going to throw out a couple here that I think are really profound. First, in Ephesians chapter 4, this is what Paul says to these Christians. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, he says. So in other words, you begin to realize that the way you were living isn't going to work, right? Those Those instructions weren't cutting it. You need a new set. Doing it on your own wasn't working. How did you arrive at that conclusion? You learned the truth that comes from Jesus. Here's the message paraphrase of that, which I really appreciate. So I'm going to share it with you. It goes like this. That's no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption, it goes on to say, is that you've paid careful attention to him been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. And I really like that. I like everything about it. And I especially like those first three words there. You learned Christ. Not only you loved Christ, not only you repented before Christ, not only you accepted Christ, which are all beautiful and essential and and, and pivotal, but you what? You learned Christ. That you approach Christ also as someone who had things to teach you. And you are learning what it means to live life in him. Realizing there's a truth here. And I've got to grasp it. And that might take some time, some attention, even some effort. But it'll be worth it. And so our question this morning as disciples of Jesus is really this. Have I truly made him my teacher and mentor? Am I listening to what he says? Am I actively adopting his perspective, his wisdom, his approach to living, his yoke? Am I taking that on? To the Thessalonians in his second letter, Paul wrote this. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word word of mouth or by letter. That there's this value in the doctrine, in the teachings, in the learning that is the words in the way of Jesus. And so when I read scriptures like these, I realize that my job, for instance, as a pastor, especially in moments like this one, is to teach all of us God's truth as given by Jesus, as recorded in the scriptures, as foreseen by the prophets, as amplified by the apostles, It is not my job primarily, right, to be entertaining or especially clever or, thank God, to look good on video, right? I'm so glad about that. My job is not to keep us comfortable 
when we half-heartedly adhere to Jesus' teachings, which any of us can be guilty of on any given day, amen, or when we kind of sort of pay attention to the truth. My job is to lovingly, as a fellow follower and learner with you, keep the sharp edge of Jesus' truth ever before us, that it would cut us to the heart and cut away what holds us back and keeps us down. So that we can, as Paul put it here, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings, to the truth of our teacher and Lord. So, because Jesus is teacher, we allow ourselves to be taught. We actively engage in learning because we see that it's worth it. And finally, we apply truth to our everyday lives. In other words, we respond as if the words of Jesus are the wisest things we'll ever hear. Because guess what? They are. Amen? In John chapter 13, here's just one example of many of the way Jesus teaches. It's the night before he goes to the cross. He's at the table with his disciples and uh, no one has washed anyone's feet. By then that would have normally happened at, a, at a, uh, an evening dinner. A servant would have washed everyone's feet before they sat down. There was no one there at the household to do that. Jesus takes on that role and he washes everyone's feet, even some of them who don't think that's appropriate. And they're like uncomfortable now that, that this Lord and Savior of their lives would do that. He does it. And then he says this. <clears throat> he says this in verse 14. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, someone say Lord and teacher. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example. That's what all good teachers do, right? They set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, no messenger greater than the one who sent him. He says, now that, you've, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. He lays out a couple of really great principles here. First, I've set you an example. In other words, you can't deny what I've just done here. And so based on that truth, which now you know and you can't plead ignorance, I've become convinced that some of the once we come to Jesus and begin to grow in him, uh, give us a little bit of time. And honestly, one of the one of the sins that tends to stick around for us, even if as Jesus begins to help us conquer uh, many other sins, is the sin of willful ignorance. Right. It's that, not ignorance, willful ignorance, right? That, that sin that says, la, 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 I don't want to know. I don't want to learn anymore. I don't want to hear about, about that. But that, uh, he says, look, there, I'm here to teach you. And once you know something, it's important to do it. And when you do it, you'll discover there's a lot of blessing there. And that's what, so that's the kind of teacher I am, he says. I'll set you an example you're going to be, when, and when, when you receive my teaching, you're going to know things in ways that you can't shake, so you might as well get busy doing them and going for it. See, calling Jesus a teacher doesn't diminish his being God and Savior and Lord, but there's no doubting that as he came to earth and when he was with us, as we see in the scriptures, he dropped some serious wisdom on life and God and how it works, on, in some eternal insight regarding the Lord and His kingdom. We'd be fools, quite literally, to not pay close attention to that, to engage deeply in learning that 
and to seek to live that out. And that's what this world needs. People actively learning and applying the wisdom of Jesus to the problems of the day. Do we need some forgiveness over here? Let's apply some uh, of that. Is it time to to, uh, execute some uh, radical generosity? Let's go for that. Do we need to exercise some confession or some community or some self-control or letting go of anxiety? These are all skills that we begin to learn. These are These are bodies of knowledge that we begin to internalize and and make a part of who we are. They're instructions that we follow and get good at and get right and not upside down. Dallas Willard puts it like this in his book, Renovation of the Heart. We must apply our thinking to and with the Word of God. We must thoughtfully take that Word in, dwell upon it, ponder its meaning, and explore its implications. I love that, especially as it relates to our lives. He goes on, we must, quoting Hebrews chapter 2, pay greater attention to what we've heard so that we don't drift away. We must thoughtfully put it into practice. And then he concludes this passage with this sentence, the prospering of God's cause on earth depends on his people thinking well. And I think that's true maybe now more than ever. Remember, Jesus said to his disciples in his final commission to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them. A central verb in the entire commission that we are spending, we've spent 20 centuries living out as the church of Jesus Christ is to teach how to obey what Jesus has commanded. And surely, he says, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So what am I inviting us to this morning? I'm inviting us to be lifelong learners of Rabbi Jesus. To ask ourselves, am I? Am I really? And there's no real mystery to this. We'll know more and better than anyone whether or not we are allowing ourselves to be taught by Jesus, actively engaging in that learning and applying his truth to our everyday lives. We don't have to assess that for someone else. We can each just assess it before God for ourselves. Am I today a a student of Jesus? No, I didn't say straight A student of Jesus. I just said student of Jesus, right? And if not, then with no condemnation, we can just simply decide to start today. He's ready. He's ready. I started this morning talking about Jesus' authority, and that's how I want to end. We're people who've given Jesus' authority over our lives. And so we decide that what he has to say is worth paying attention to. But when he first came to earth, that was a brand new thing, right? So I want to read this short passage from John chapter 7. It says that the Jews there were amazed. Jesus had just been teaching. And they asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught. In other words, he hadn't been to rabbinical school. Uh, he didn't go through all the, all, all the grades that they had and all the studies and all the mentorship. And yet, his teaching, even they knew, was deep and profound. And Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. In other words, I'm divine. These are words that aren't merely earthly and they're not taught with just human wisdom. And then he makes this statement. 
And it's my challenge to all of us as we, as we close in prayer here in a second. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God. Meaning, give it a shot, right? If you begin to take even semi-seriously what Jesus has to say, and you find some direction from him in the scriptures, and you decide, I'm going to begin to learn how to apply that to my life today. You will begin to discover something supernatural. Your heart, your mind, your thoughts, your life, your addictions, your, your drives, your, your, your worries, they all begin to either fall away or come into alignment under the lordship of Jesus in ways that no human wisdom, no self-help book, no, no, no TED talk, no, no way of looking at things from a human perspective will ever fully achieve, not even close. You will begin to realize that you've tapped into something reverberating, vibrating with an energy and a strength and a deep truth that you can't find anyplace else. And it will begin to heal you. It will begin to change the way you think and thus the way you act and then the way you feel and respond and the way you communicate. It won't happen all in an hour or even in a day, but it will happen as you make Jesus your teacher. Let's pray about that. Lord, thank you that you're so willing to teach us, so ready to meet us where we are, so sure of our potential. When you see us, you're so enthusiastic to, to see not our failures, to, to not pay attention or, or spend a lot of time with all the ways we've gotten it wrong. That when we can give all that to you and just say, God, forgive us, you are happy to do so. You let it go. And you're ready to start today with all the good things you have to teach and to give and to share. So Lord, we ask for that. Teach us and lead us. We give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.